This is Dr. Holly Lucille's Mindful Medicine. Here's Dr. Holly Lucille. Well, hello, all you mindful listeners. Thank you so much for spending part of your day with us. This is Dr. Holly Lucille bringing you mindful medicine. And guess what? Today we're going to be talking about mindful investing. This is something that can be really stressful. And especially if you don't know a whole lot about it, and if uh, you're confused or there's myths and misconceptions about investing, but we're going to learn how to de-stress when you invest with somebody named Manny Weintraub. He specializes in explaining investing, and I should note, in plain English, probably even better than plain English, to people who haven't seriously considered it. He's an avid meditation and yoga enthusiast, and Manny looks beyond Wall Street's conventional wisdom. So during his 30-year career as a chartered financial analyst, Manny has looked after hundreds of clients and managed more than $1.5 billion. His unique approach focuses on mindful investing and retirement, okay, all of those things that we need to understand. He credits yoga with getting him through the 2008 financial crisis. Um, We all needed that help and wants to teach you how to eliminate the stress of making your money decisions. Manny, thank you so much. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah. Well, this is an incredible topic because I think that, you know, I've said before many times and I'm not exactly sure if I made it up or I heard it from somebody and it just resonated with me, but, um, I think money is energy. You know, I just, I, I've felt that way for a long, long time. And, um, this can be though very stressful energy when it comes to unpredictable economic, uh, economics and or where our economy is or people that sort of just don't understand what invest, investing money and saving and retirement is all about. True. No, it, it can be very stressful. And my hope is to make people, understand about investing and think about it in a way similar to we've started to think about food, where people might not understand all the science behind the food they eat or the food choices they make, or they might not understand, um, you know, about the harvesting animals and the different ways that can be done and what it means. But they're, they're making good choices. And I think you don't have to understand everything about different complicated financial instruments to make less stressful choices around money. I love that. You know, um, when I, when it comes to diet and food stuff, like I, I thought, you know, I'm going to look up what the word diet actually means because it's sort of thrown around and used, you know, all the time in ways that I kind of scratch my head about. And so what thrilled me when, yeah. So if you look it up, it means habitual nourishment. So how as a habit, do people nourish themselves? And so I kind of use that to turn diet on its head when I was talking to my patients, you know, cause, and it turned out to be then all about nourishment. And, um, you know, some people just emotionally don't even feel worthy of being nourished. And so that whole thing uh, was a different and more broad and more healthy conversation. And it gave us more opportunity to explore instead of just talking about diet. Interesting. Yeah, I find the main problem with investing that most people have is they're not even sure what they're trying to accomplish, and then they just throw up their hands and say, well, I'll let someone else deal with it. And that, that's almost like letting the processed food industry sort of deal with your diet. You, you don't have to be in there 
harvesting the food yourself, but you have to care and be involved. And, and that's sort of, you know, what I hope to talk about today. Excellent. All right. So let's get into this. What are the seven rules of mindful investing? Okay. So the seven rules of mindful investing are, uh, and this goes to the mindful part. It's the rule. Number one is any mindfulness practice is better than no mindfulness practice. And I find the desire for perfection and like 10 day or 30 day retreats, you know, it, it's not attainable and it's not even necessary. Just there's so many great opportunities these days to have some sort of mindfulness practice and it just makes a huge difference in re- reducing stress in, in so many things. So that's rule number one. So rule number two is if you don't know what you're trying to accomplish, then you won't achieve it. And what I really mean by that is it's so easy to think that, oh, if you want to make money in the stock market, you need to have bought Apple at its IPO or Google right. on the you know day it came public, or I need to get in on the next big thing. I need to buy cannabis stocks uh, right now before it's too late, or I need to avoid the next big problem and someone on TV is yelling at me to, you know, to get out now before there's a, the next, this summer, there's a lot of talk about the upcoming recession, the upcoming recession. So let's just take it easy and think about what we're trying to achieve. And and that is uh, what one is trying to achieve is to compound one's money at a a rate of return in a way that you feel comfortable. And it basically, it's very easy to double your money on Wall Street. You can either just wait 72 years and earn 1% a year, (laughs) or you can uh, earn, if you earn 10% a year, you'll double your money every seven years. And that can be very powerful, thank God, as people are living longer and have a longer time horizon. So the, the goal is to compound your money and you don't have to hit any home runs to do that. So compounding the money at the rate of return that you feel comfortable. And like you said, 1% uh, and you can double your money in 72 years or so, Um, or you can get a little bit more aggressive. All right. What about rule number three? So rule number three is that your time horizon and the time horizon of your financial advisor can be different. I'm a little afraid ah. that's a little jargony, but the point is you need to look after your own interests. And just like when you go to a doctor, uh, you know, you would might want to get a second opinion. You know, it, you cannot just trust someone else to make these opinions because for you, it makes a big difference if you double your money um, four times in 30 years, whereas to the CEO of a large financial organization, you know, if you double your money twice or, you know, three times, it doesn't make that much difference. So they don't want you to take on too much risk. But if you think about it, that extra double is, that means having twice as much money when you retire. So it's a big deal to you. It's not a big deal to them. Make sure you get a second opinion. 
So more personalization and second opinion when it comes to your investing. Yes. I love it. All right. Rule number four. So rule number four is um, you don't need to be first. And so there are a lot of trends that are going to be continuing for a long, long time. And the way I like to think of it is how much the world has changed even in the past 10 years with the introduction of smartphones or over the past 36 years, if that's a normal time horizon for investing. And the world's going to change a lot. So you don't need to be first to a trend, but you do want to benefit from it. And that can be through, you can talk to your financial advisor and invest in sector funds or individual stocks that are benefiting from change. And that's, you know, and meditation is all about change and understanding that the only constant is change. So being able to be mindful about investing, not being first and trusting, because I think meditation slows down the mind where you can actually trust your life to unfold where it needs to be and trusting that it's all going to be in a place where uh, the compounding will happen and on a good time horizon for each individual. All right, so rule number five. Rule number five, there were no good old days. It was just the present in the past. Like now it seems like that was the good old days, but, you know, when we were living through, I'm I'm older than you, when we were living through the 70s, you know, I was afraid that nuclear warheads were going to drop on us from the sky the, we, there was an oil embargo, uh, pollution was terrible, no one was jogging, life, ex- yes, yeah. so I could go on and on, and it was great. I'm not complaining, but I just don't want people to be sad now, because now is stressful and difficult, and whatever, you know, you believe politically, it's, it's a difficult time, but it was also difficult then. Right. So stay in the present. There were no good old days. These are the good old days because we're here and we're present. So let's yeah. just keep rolling along. All right. We've got six and seven to go. And then I've got some other great questions that I'm dying to ask you. Okay. So the um, six and seven is that the only constant, number six is just that the only constant is change. There are a lot of good investment opportunities that can come from change. And number seven is avoid the fear industry. So, so much of financial media is just about getting you to turn on. And there are people that are, that make you afraid that the market's going to go down, people that make you afraid you're going to mix, miss out and just try and tune it out. Their time horizon is a week, a month, two days, and your time horizon is 10 years, 20 years. So, Right. I, I love it. this conversation because I've never really had it in a mindful way when we're talking about this subject, and I just think it makes so much sense. Um, I mean, and you're right, just like um, sort of the, I would say, disease mongering that goes on on the television around the pharmaceutical industry where it's like this crazy, you know, percentage of a certain uh, generation has this, you know, 
sort of hepatitis A and you've got to get checked and you also have to take this because, you know, it's really, really important. But I've seen the same thing uh, when it comes, I can't remember exactly, and I probably if I do remember, I won't say it, but it, it is a financial commercial and it's basically comparing um, and it's it's highlighting that these investors might not have the person's best interest in mind because um, they kind of catch them, you know, not really doing their job or not being able to answer questions. And, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's definitely fear based. And so I, I love that. So I have this, you know, um, how can people focus on creating their portfolios consistent, more consistent with their values? I, when I started yeah. to invest, um, and I think you call this present based investing. I, I was, mm-hmm. I wanted like, what's good for our, our, what is good for our, you know, our environment? What's good for people? How can I get into, how can I help support um, industries that are actually doing good and giving back? Yeah, it's, it's really fun. And so this is where it's fun to get into a partnership with your, either your financial advisor or the, um, the broker, the uh, brokerage firm you work with. It doesn't have to be a person. It could be Schwab or TD Ameritrade. And you can talk to them. There's so many resources available to find. Maybe it's a company that is a large employer in a town, or maybe it's a company that um, provides, you know, healthful food, or it's a company that provides an important medical service. So, you know, I'd say the most important thing in my mind is I really want people to look out for themselves. So you can talk to your advisor or talk to um, a person on the other end of the the call line uh, just about finding companies with a high return on invested capital. And that's just really just a way of saying, I really recommend that people invest in profitable companies. Like it really needs to make that cut first. And that that's a difficult, so when I was a kid, the Peter Lynch was a hero of mine and he was a big fund manager. And he talked about investing in what you know, and it would be, could either be a product you use or, you know, something, a service that you used at work. And we live in a weird time now where a lot of products that people use are the, the stocks themselves are are not profitable. So I, hmm. I have friends, I don't want to mention any names, but I have friends who love a service that provides pet products and loves how they care about their pets and their customer service. But it's not, if you talk to, work in a partnership with your online broker or your advisor, you'll see very quickly that they just don't make money. So I I think it's really important that you have both a portfolio, because I want everyone to be able to retire and not be stressed. And then once it makes that cut of profitability, then you can see whether it aligns with your interests. Similar with a a great uh, company that makes an exercise product that a lot of people are really excited about. It's not profitable. So it's it's not, doesn't make that first cut. So you have to be a little careful these days. 
so having a portfolio important, being profitable, even more important. So, okay. So those yeah. are, those are, that's great advice. You know, there was a, a lab, a laboratory service that um, I was so into because they made uh, lab testing so economically um, uh, achievable for my patients. And mm-hmm. I, I kind of was scratching my head and I was like, how can they do this? These, this is pennies on the dollar. And I always fight for, you know, I know my patients don't hire me to to protect their wallets and, you know, take care of them. But I, I just, you know, I, I, when you're doing, when I have a cash practice, I want to make sure that people are well taken care of and that we can, they can spend money where they need to spend money, whether it's in better quality food, et cetera, or time off or getting a good massage or, you know, making their life more more nourishing. And, um, mm-hmm. but to your point, you know, I was devastated when they went bankrupt and I thought, wow. well, they were creating an incredible service and the way that, you know, they had functional lab ranges and everything, but they were not profitable. So, um, right. yeah. So thank God you weren't an investor in, in that. Yeah. Cause, but you can see how you can get excited about something and I'm like, how can I support you? I'm going to invest in your company. <laughs> and yeah. okay. So great. So, okay, so I think what, I, what I've noticed when talking to my colleagues are, is that sometimes the here and now is so stressful that investing is even more stressful. But how can you help people take the stress out of investing? Uh, I, so for me, the way to take the stress out of investing is to look for, A, the profitable businesses, and B, those companies where if you... And I, I talk about companies, it could be fixed, it could be bonds or whatever it is, but something where you could bury it, for me, the, the test is, can you bury it in the ground and then come back in 10 years and expect it to be worth more than it is today? So it's not so stressful about having to come in at the exact right time. It's about accepting that between now and 10 years from now, there might be an economic recession, but it's probably not going to last forever. You know, I don't think anyone's expecting like a Mad Max type scenario. Uh, so that's sort of a test where you can say like, you know, and again, you don't have to be perfect. It's like not having a perfect meditation practice. Like this is not the world's most perfect time to buy, you know, uh, make an investment, but it's probably not the world's worst. And so... Just looking at the present, if your alternatives are to get 2% in the bank or hopefully more um, with an investment, even if it's stressful time, you know, just doesn't pass that test. And then try and ignore it. Yeah. So, okay. So investing, and then I would say that investing, probably if you go ahead and pull the trigger and do that, bad analogy there, sorry, um, you can probably help reduce anxiety about the future because you know you've got some some things in the works. You know you have got money in the in the system that will be working on its own behalf and on your behalf. Yeah, that that is the ultimate goal is to have the money make money, and that that's why that's what the the goal of compound interest is is like you've made money, and now that money that you've made is making money. And that's the beauty of compound interest. Yeah. So, you know, I have a uh, 
in my profession, um, there has been something thrown around called poverty mentality. And people mm -hmm. who, you know, really care about people and go into the naturopathic profession perhaps feel guilty about making money because it's, it just doesn't resonate on some level. Um, is caring about money, does it, do, do people think that it makes it harder to live a more mindful existence? So I have... I, for me, I always think of the story of my richest client, and I, I guess I have that in quotes, but it's my one who's the most content, and she has been helping people for decades. She's a doctor like yourself, and she never made a ton of money, but she never spent a ton of money, and we've been working, you know, working with me or with whoever financial advisor. Like, over time, it became significant. And now, you know, she, I think she'd even like to work less. But again, she's a giving person. And maybe she works two days a week. But and is, you know, at City Island, which is like, not a fancy place, but like beautiful water. It's sort of an idyllic story where just someone was kind to themselves, kind to other people. And, you know, it, 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 it it's not incompatible, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Sure. Okay. So yes, um, you know, and I always and I know thought, people who have uh, much more money who are miserable. So like, it's not going to make you happy, but it it shouldn't make you unhappy. Right. And I think those people that actually are caring and benevolent, and um, you know, they I I feel like the more money they have, the more money I know that they have to share, and they the more um, of themselves they have to share because of their own security and of their own freedom. And, um, you know, those types of people, I feel, you know, I would love to be, have them be richer and richer and richer because, <laughs> yeah, exactly. you know, the world needs all the kindness they can get. Okay. My final question for you. Um, and this has been a great conversation. I, we, I, you know, here at Mindful Medicine really appreciate it because this is a tough subject and I do think people get stressed about it. They get anxious about it. Tell us about the mindful investor versus the financial advisor. And, you know, and it doesn't have to be that way. You know, that was just what I was thinking. It's a weird system we have where the, a good financial advisor in the eyes of their boss is good at getting other clients. Like it, so they're almost like a good salesperson and not necessarily good at managing money. And they could be, you know, so that's, that's why it's, it, that's why I talk about second opinions and reaching out. So that the time horizon, the people you're looking out for yourself 36 years from now, your a typical financial advisor might even be retired in 10 years or 15 years. It's you just need to make sure that it's not a situation of the mindful investor versus a financial advisor. You you just got to get someone on the same page as you and make sure you all agree. And it's same thing, similar to food. Like there are a lot of great uh, people who will help you have food that works for you with your uh, lifestyle. And then there are people who are just will, will sell you Oreos, which I love, but all things in moderation, you know. So. Yeah. I mean, you've brought a lot of great concepts that we've talked about on the show on so many other things, just not to money. So I really appreciate it. So I want to get let people understand where they can kind of see more about what you do. And is it the uh, www.integream, which is I-N-T-E-G-R-E-A-M? 
It's Integra, in, Integra Advisors, uh, or Integra Asset Management. So Integra means to look at things holistically. Oh, perfect. So whether it's people we're looking at holistically, or for us it's also about uh, financial situations. So sometimes people are panicking about Medicare for all and, and selling all health care companies and we and, you know we look at the situation holistically it's like you know we're, we're still going to need a lot of medical technology and medical so anyway we try and look at things holistically okay so integra uh so i-n-t-e-g-r-e-a-m.com so folks here's what we're looking at mindful practice of some sort okay and this is how you can invest more mindfully uh compounding the money at a rate of return that you're comfortable with make sure that your investment is personalized to what your time horizon is. Don't need to be first. Guess what? There was no good old days. This is the best we got right now. The only constant is change. And by all means in everything, let's try to avoid the fear industry. Manny, thank you so much for this conversation. It has um, inspired me to you know, kind of glance at this and look at it a little bit differently. And I love the rule number one. What would you say your best rule, the, the number one rule of your mindful investing would be? Any practice is better than no practice. I knew you were going to say that. All right, folks. <laughs> uh, so if you want to get more information, it's www.integraam. So I-N-T-E-G-R-E-A-M.com. Check it out for some more mindful guidance and mindful listeners. Thank you. We're going to see you next time.